If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is a special edition. News 1023. Tulsa's 24-hour news weather and traffic. And the home of the three big things you need to know. Listen on air. Online at krmg.com. And on the KRMG app. The KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour starts now. Good morning. 8 o'clock sunshine. 63 degrees in Tulsa. Sunny 86 this afternoon. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes. On the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter, number three. New this morning, our president turning up the pressure on Mexico to stop the flow of central Americans streaming north toward the U.S. The president announcing by tweet he's putting a 5% tariff on all goods imported from Mexico, and those tariffs will go up until the problem's solved. Number two, happening today, Creek County deputies trying to identify the man whose body was found in floodwaters near Basin Road and Old Highway 51 are also trying to determine how the man died. And number one, our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter happening today. We have just learned that the Army Corps of Engineers has dropped the rate of release at Keystone Dam again. It was 210,000 cubic feet per second earlier this morning, now 200,000. That's that's a milestone there. Downstream, floodwater has begun to recede. Issues that matter to you. Expanded on the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. It is our pleasure to welcome to the KRMG Morning News studios, David Williams, the Army Corps of Engineers, who we've been talking to by phone every day since last Friday. Good to meet you face-to-face. Welcome to the studios. Good morning. Thanks for being here. So 200,000 cubic feet per second. That's good news. That is great news. Um, Are we going to go down again later today, do you think? So the plan is to continue the step down. We need to do that in a fashion such that it does minimize stress on the levees, the Tulsa West Tulsa levee system. But we will continue to step down. And by tomorrow, late tomorrow, we'll we'll be down to 150,000 CFS. I'm curious about that. Uh, How does reducing the amount of water coming out of the dam... Uh, stress the levees because the levee on the on the river side of the levee it has been loaded for so long now that it's saturated Hmm. right because you have water on one side and you don't on the other side on the on the dry side and because it's saturated if you bring the water down really quickly all of a sudden you have a a levee standing there that's saturated and no force opposing that on on the river side and so it makes it unstable so it could collapse in toward the water as opposed to being pushed out toward dry by the water that's correct so whenever you're bringing the flows back down that's actually probably the most risky time for the levee because you everyone is letting their guard down wow. but you still have water loading the levee and you have those potential stability issues I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, and we, it's true. We we have let our guard down because we're, it's sunny out, second day in a row, water levels coming down, floodwaters are receding. But what's not to be hopeful about? Uh, GT has said, the mayor, GT Bynum has said many times, you have to until that water's all the way down. But it makes sense because supersaturation of anything is going to cause instability. Yeah. Uh, I learned that in diving a long time ago, and that, that makes it very difficult. However, here's my question. As it comes down, how quickly does that interior dry with more rain coming? Well, so if we get more rain next week, we'll have the, the, uh, the releases uh, decreased by that time. 
And um, because we have the six-hour staggered uh, decrease in the releases from Keystone, the thought uh, process behind that is it does give the levee time to, to, to drain, essentially, as you bring the river down. Were you at the meeting last night, the town hall with the town and country in Candlestick Beach, folks? No, sir, I was not. Um, and we asked the senator about that. He, he was at the meeting. And um, one of the things, one of the, he said that, you know, a lot of the folks were pretty jovial until the Army Corps of Engineers representative got up and, and they directed a lot of ire at this person. And one of the common themes seemed to be, why didn't you lower the level of Keystone way before all of this? Why don't you just generally lower it in the spring because you know you're going to get a lot of rain in May? What's the answer to that? Keystone is normally operated at elevation 723. That is the top of the conservation pool. So mm-hmm. in the absence of flooding and a big historic flood like this, when you go out to Keystone, that's where the reservoir is. But Keystone is a flood control reservoir, and it's operated based on runoff that is observed on the ground. And the reason it is operated that way, and that is by congressional authority, it is operated that way because there is so much uncertainty associated with weather forecasts. You may think it's going to rain in one location, and so then you make a release. Let's say you do that. Well, what if the rain doesn't doesn't fall there? What if it falls instead downstream instead of upstream or vice versa? Mm. Then what you've done is you've transferred risk. So we're trying to mitigate downstream flood risk with a flood control dam. So that's how we operate. There were um, some pretty torrential rains in Kansas well before we started seeing the heavy rains here. Um, Can you not look at what's fallen in Kansas and know that that's eventually going to end up in Kaw, eventually going to end up in Keystone, and you're going to have to deal with it? So Keystone is part of a system. You have other reservoirs in the system. You do have Kaw. You have El Dorado. You have Cheney. Mm. You have Great Salt Plains. You have Fort Supply. Um, so when you have other reservoirs in the system and you start a, when you get into a big flood situation like this, you, um, start, um, uh, what you do is you start the balance, right? You have a certain amount of flood control storage in all of the reservoirs. And so you, what you want to do is balance the flood control in all of those reservoirs. And that actually began four weeks ago, five weeks ago, you know, we're not in week one of this flood. We're, we're a month into this flood. And so, and so all of that began that long ago. And so the whole system has been operated um, according to our operational manual, that congressionally approved manual. And we have been balancing the pools. But then what happens is you get additional rain. And so, for example, at Keystone and at Cause Well, we go into the surcharge pool. And because we go into the surcharge pool at that point, we've had so much rainfall on the basin over the entirety of this of this flood that we we have we've exhausted all the flood control storage, and we begin to make those larger releases to account for that. Okay. Yeah, and, and people many times said you don't want it to go over the top of the dam. That's dangerous as well. But you talked about all the inflow and how you read that because it's not just from rivers and things and streams, but also from that rainfall. How is all of that totaled up? How are you measuring what's coming in on a daily basis? So we have a team. We have a team of scientists and engineers, a team of forecasters, of water control managers, and we have a lot of gauges in the watershed, a lot of gauges. A lot of those improvements were made after the 1986 flood. And so we account for, as rain falls, we have have data from the National Weather Service. We have... uh, 
the Oklahoma Mesonet, and we account for all of that rainfall. And then we uh, actually observe the runoff at those gauges. And once we observe, observe the runoff, we can route all of that runoff downstream. And so it is uh, a, a continual process of uh, accounting for the runoff, seeing all the runoff at the upstream gauges, and then routing that down to the reservoir. Hmm. Um, if you have a question for David Williams or a comment about the flood control and the flooding this week, if you have something you'd like us to pay attention to, you think we haven't, hit the open mic button on your KRMG app and let us know. David Williams from the Corps of Engineers is with us. Uh, tell me if I got this right, because I think this is just a, an amazing illustration of how quickly water poured into Keystone. Did I hear this right, that if, if Keystone had been completely bone dry, had been empty, and the inflow that we got came in just the way that it did, the entire lake would fill back up in 16 hours. Is that right? Well, unfortunately, I haven't had time to do the math calculate fun facts for the reservoir. But what I can tell you is that for, for uh, uh, some period of time, we had really high inflows coming into the reservoir. We had inflows as high as about 320,000 cubic feet per second, mm. if I recall. And so... You know, that that is a that is a flow that would have been observed through Tulsa had the dam not been there. Let's talk about Uliga for a second. It's still coming out at a high high rate. Um, but can you give us an update on the status there? Um, Uliga is also in surcharge, right? So it means that we've exhausted the flood control capacity there, and and we're in the surcharge pool, which is a, a, a an additional amount of of volume that we can we can operate during the flood. And so, but we need to get the pool back out of surcharge. So, so currently that's... Let, let's understand that. So yeah. the surcharge, we're talking about uh, picnic areas, areas around the lake that are utilized in other ways when it's dry, right? But when you need that area to, for the lake to expand a little bit, that's the surcharge area? So you have the conservation pool. Uh-huh. That's the, the top of that is the normal pool. Okay. And then you have a flood control pool. That's, that's the volume dedicated for flood control storage. Okay. But with projects that have... Um, Tainter gates, Keystone's an example of a project that has this type of a gate. As you raise those gates, you can actually gain uh, an additional amount of storage as the gates are raised, and that is the surcharge pool. Okay. And so Uliga is in surcharge, so we're maintaining a 60,000 uh, cubic feet per second release out of that project until we can get that project back down as well. David Williams with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour on News 1023 KRMG. Just wanted to give a big shout-out to all the first responders and fire department, police, highway patrol, and county sheriffs during this t- bad time. They did an awesome job. Yes, Thank you, guys. They did, and we'll echo that. Thank you, guys and gals, for all that you did uh, during this crisis. It's not, no, it's not over yet. And in a lot of ways, as we just heard, this might be the most critical time of this flood as they slowly begin to drop the rate of release from Keystone. Joining us on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour is Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Um, you were at that uh, meeting last night, were you not, at uh, the Town & Country Town Hall meeting? Uh, I was not. You were that not. In, uh, t- that's, I'm keeping my 
focus on the city of Tulsa right, right now. Right, right. I thought you might be, though, just because this is such an area-wide effort. Uh, the concerns yes. that were expressed there, though, I know you've heard concern by uh, those same concerns from people along the banks of the Arkansas in Tulsa about uh, why didn't they release more earlier and uh, kind of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking. Um, it's understandable that those people are frustrated, but what do you say when you get those kinds of questions? Well, uh, I, I come at it probably from two standpoints. I think there'll be plenty of time after we're out of flood stage, and it, I want to remind everybody we're still in flood stage right now yeah. uh, by every definition. After we're out of that, it'll be a good time to go back and evaluate decisions that were made and uh, how those are put together. And I think everybody that I've talked to wants to learn from this uh, so that we can be better prepared and do better in the future. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody that feels otherwise. Um, But right now, the focus that we have is on handling this day to day. I think that's one of the reasons that we've done such a great job as a community in Northeast Oklahoma in dealing with everything that's come our way in the last two weeks is that we're dealing with the state of affairs as they are that day, day by day. And We'll have plenty of time to go back and assess who did what and why they did it when this is over. But uh, for right now, we need to be focusing on keeping our community safe. There's still a lot of people in our community who are not safe and also helping uh, uh, the recovery effort. You, uh, David Williams is here in the studio with us, and he was telling us before the break that, you know, you really have to control the rate at which you draw down the uh, the rate of release from Keystone. Otherwise, you could have the levees collapsing inward because they're so saturated. I don't know if you've heard, but we're, we've dropped a little bit more. We're now down to 200,000 cubic feet per second. Uh, but it, it's got to make you nervous watching this and, and knowing that the, this could be the most critical time and, and, and people may not even realize that. Well, and that's why I, I keep trying to remind folks that we need to re- keep our vigilance, even though it's uh, beautiful and sunny outside and the, you know, the water level is down in the Arkansas River and Tulsa at a level it hadn't been since about nine days ago. Uh, we still are on high alert relative to those levees. The folks that live behind them who've chosen not to relocate are still in danger And so we have the guard out there still patrolling at 24 hours a day. We've had the Corps out there uh, responding to situations as they arise. I I do want to say one thing, though, and and it it may not be a popular thing to point out, but uh, Keystone Dam saved our community in the last couple of weeks. Uh, If we did not have that dam in place, We would have had unchecked flows going through the city of Tulsa and other communities at far higher rates uh, than were being released. I think it was only until yesterday or the day before that there was uh, more water coming out of Keystone than going into it. So that dam did everything that when it was built back in the 50s and 60s, it was designed to do. It's still over 30 feet above its normal elevation protecting uh, us from further flooding. Um, so I, I, I am thankful for the work that uh, all the folks over decades have done to prepare our community for this type of situation. But uh, like I said, we still we remain on high alert and we will through the weekend at the very least.
To your point, I mean, they're letting people drive on the dam, right? So that tells you how solid that dam is and how well it was constructed. You mentioned day by day. And I think, by the way, I got to say, you guys have been magnificent. You guys have been on top of everything ahead of time, information before it was asked for. And I and every agency together, which is almost unprecedented, quite honestly. Okay, but from here, we talk about recovery and we talk about what's next and we talk about resources. What do people need to know about who need help? Uh, first, anybody that has any questions about resources that are available to them or help they need can call 211. Uh, doesn't matter if they're in Tulsa or anywhere else in Oklahoma. That's a state uh, hotline that you can call to get information. If you need shelter, if you need more information, please call 211. Uh, the other thing, and, and I, I do think, you know, I had a moment yesterday to kind of step back and think about everything we've dealt with in the last couple of weeks. And this is why it's important for us to deal with this day by day. If you step back and think in the last two weeks, uh, we've had an earthquake. A lot of people forget that at this point. We've had an earthquake. We've had a historic flood. And the city of Tulsa alone has been hit by tornado, two tornadoes a week apart. Um, if you were to think about all of that at once, it can seem overwhelming. But by just putting one foot in front of the other every step of the way, uh, Oklahomans have handled it. And uh, it's just made me uh, so proud of our community and the way that we've responded to that. Uh, but moving forward, you know, we will, once we're out of this danger zone, which we hope to be in the next several days, uh, then we will need to focus on recovery. There's tremendous property damage, uh, as you all were highlighting on the show earlier this morning, especially to our park system that worked the way it's supposed to along that river corridor. Uh, but there's folks who, who are going to need to rebuild homes. Uh, there's streets that need to be cleared out that we're already working on today in areas that have finally drained out. Uh, and we won't know the true damage to the river parks and the erosion that's occurred there until the water is low enough to be able to assess it. So there's a lot of work ahead of us, but we'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other every day like we have been for the last several weeks, and we'll get it done. Mayor Bynum, thank you to you, your staff, and all the city workers for everything they've done during this crisis. We appreciate it, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum. This is a special edition News 1023 Tulsa's 24-hour news weather and traffic at the home of the three big things you need to know. Listen on air, online at krmg.com, and on the KRMG app. The KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour starts now. Happening today, we're thanking our listeners for their generosity. Yesterday, thanks to you, we raised over $116,000 in 13 hours for the American Red Cross, every penny of that staying in Oklahoma to help our neighbors affected by floods and tornadoes. Number one. Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter happening now. Many families are getting a look at the damage left behind after the flooding, especially in the town and country neighborhood southwest of Sand Springs. KRMG's Skylar Cooper has more from a longtime resident who now says he's had enough. Eugene Bowers has lived in the town and country neighborhood since 1971. I raised four kids here. Send them all to college from here. He lived through the 1986 flood and spent nearly $20,000 repairing his home, doing much of the work with his own hands. Knowing just how bad it could be, he was more prepared this time. We took all of our appliances and musical instruments, computers, 
Every, we took everything out except some things that we put up real high. I parked my tracker up on the hill. Now, as floodwaters recede, Eugene returned to his home for the first time yesterday, making the quick decision not to rebuild a second time. I'm too old to <laughs> stay here and face one of these. After nearly 50 years there, he's sad to go. I'm sorry to leave here. We have the most gracious neighbors that you could ever find. We've lived other places that we just couldn't have this type of neighbor. But considering what he's been through, Mr. Bowers has a positive outlook on the situation. You have to accept the good with the bad, and I've had a lot of good. And you know that saying, it's the little things? Eugene Bowers was simply happy to see sunshine yesterday. Tremendously happy. Skyler Cooper, News 1023, KRMG. Issues that matter to you. Expanded on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Okay, guys. I have to admit, every time I hear you guys talking about levees, my elderly brain goes immediately to bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was oh, I gotta, I gotta admit, the same thing has happened to me. Well, remember the fake GT Bynum account tweeted, don't drive your Chevy to the levee because it's right. not dry. It's not dry. Uh, my be- the best line in all of popular music's in that song. The players tried to take the field, the but marching the marching band, band refused, refused to yield. Yeah. Uh, it's an 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Sorry for the little diversion there. 8.34, David Williams with the Army Corps of Engineers is with us in the studio. And just look at it's really bizarre when we both did that. Yeah, they're singing. Why are they? Uh, so, let's, David, if we could kind of talk our way downstream here. Um, if we are able to continue reducing the rate of, of water being released from Keystone and the floodwaters continue to subside or recede, um, obviously it's going to happen in Tulsa for, in reverse order of you know the the way things flooded. Tulsa is going to recede first, right? Then Bixby, and then on downstream, Muskogee, eventually Weber's Falls. Um, it's not only going to happen earlier in Tulsa, but it's going to kind of happen easier here than it is in places like Muskogee, right? The floodwaters are going to be around Muskogee for a long time. That's absolutely correct. You have to remember once you get downstream to Muskogee, you not not only have the Arkansas, you have the the Grand River, mm. you have the Verdigree. And we still have the releases out of Uluga. There are releases out of Fort Gibson. So that all compounds the effect once you get downstream. So it's going to be, a, unfortunately, a, a, a drawn-out flood to the downstream areas. And we're also, I mentioned this concept of surcharge. We're also in surcharge at Eufaula. Wow. So points downstream, once you get past there, this has been the flood of record when you get into the lower Arkansas to the Arkansas state line and beyond. Fort Smith, Little Rock. It's bad times there, too. Yeah, the uh, the flood wave will roll on down the river through those areas weeks, right? It'll it'll get to New Orleans at some point. Still a number of uh, communities remaining flooded. Uh, Tulsa is, though, talking about recovery now. It's not going to be quick, won't be cheap, won't be easy. Here's KRMG's Russell Mills. For individuals and businesses, it all begins by reporting damage to their insurance companies, but also to the state. Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner Glenn Mulready. First thing they, they should do is report the damage that they have, either to the website, damage.ok.gov, or by calling it into 211. And that is for Oklahoma Emergency Management, and they need to document sort of the quantity and amount of damage that uh, that then gets submitted to FEMA. Tulsa County Clerk Michael Willis tells me his office is standing by to help folks who need to prove they own a piece of property. Sometimes they may need copies of their land records 
to prove ownership of, of properties or homes, um, and my office is ready and able to assist people to get those documents. Um, we're going to do that for free. Uh, we, we can't always do that, but um, but we will be providing those for free via email, um, or if they need to be um, mailed hard copy, we can do that as well. Willis has been impressed by the teamwork exhibited by all the various governments involved in this disaster response. There, there's been very little guarding of the fiefdom, and no one has been stuck inside their silo, which is really great when, you, when you're dealing with lots of different government entities. And um, everyone has been willing to help everyone else. Echoing that sentiment, Tulsa City Parks Director Anna America. She told me about a situation at Mohawk Park. We have a national soccer tournament planned in two weeks, June 14th. We're supposed to have national soccer, and it's a big economic driver for the city. It's a big deal. And county got out there and fixed the portion of the road that gives access to that soccer complex. Then the flooding happened along Bird Creek. We got some of the soccer fields flooded, but the road there, which is 56th Street North, washed away completely. It washed literally onto the soccer field. So with the clock ticking, she told me. Everybody instantly kind of just said, okay, what do we need to do to get this functioning and no quibbles or worrying about, you know, whose responsibility something should be. People just stepped up, which is great to see. And at this point, no one's counting pennies, not even Mayor G.T. Bynum, who admits the flood response may impact the city budget, but help is already on the way. We're also very fortunate that Governor Stitt was quick to declare an emergency and that President Trump was quick to declare an emergency, which then opens us up for strong reimbursement from federal agencies that we would not otherwise be able to get. This massive disaster response will undoubtedly teach us some lessons we can apply to the next one and there will be a next one once again on america you know the river is a force of nature and we've got to deal with that and accept that and that i'm going to be very um much more thoughtful in the things that i'm advocating for in parks to make sure that and that includes things that i think we thought of as very passive like trails but to make sure if we build trails there that they're trails that can sustain water on top of them and if not let's think about can we build a different kind of trail indeed the city took its lessons from earlier floods to clear areas that consistently flooded and put parks there instead of buildings but, you know as i keep reminding everyone that millions of gallons of waters that were in river parks and that were in uh, mohawk park are gallons of waters that would have been in homes or you know, rushing down streets or washing away businesses. Linda Johnston, director of social services for the county, had to juggle a lot of resources when the county pharmacy and the family shelter had to close because of the flood threat. She said moving forward. My hope is that, you know, after all of this, the dust settles, we will sit down as an organization and and go through those conversations together uh, to see what we learned and uh, to make amendments and and hopefully get smarter on on these kinds of um, situations. But as many officials told me, those conversations will happen down the road. Russell Mills, News 1023, KRMG. 839, the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. I'm Dan Potter in the studio with Rick Corey and with David Williams from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. We have gotten questions about Grand Lake. But Grand Lake, David, it's not under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, right? It's the GRDA? The Army Corps of Engineers does have a a flood control authority under um, one of the various um, flood control acts that Congress has passed. So um, releases that are made out of Pensacola Dam um, when there's a a flood situation are made um, in conjunction with the Grand River Dam Authority. Okay. Can you comment on the rate of release at, at, at Grand or any questions about Grand? Well, what I can say about Grand is, once again, we operate these reservoirs as a system 
And so that particular system, you have you have Grand Lake, you have uh, Lake Hudson, and you have Fort Gibson. And so those have all been operated to evacuate the water from upstream to downstream. And by the way, you also have upstream reservoirs, uh, including John Redmond Reservoir in eastern Kansas. And so that system has been operated to um, maintain that balance and bring the flood control down. And uh, ultimately, that's why you see releases at Fort Gibson Dam. You, it would be interesting, I think, at this point to explain to people the difference between a core lake and a non-core lake and why some are and why some aren't. So the Tulsa District has, I believe, 34 flood control reservoirs. But there are other, there are other reservoirs in the region that are large reservoirs, but they're not, they weren't constructed by the United States government and they're not owned by the United States government. There, you have projects like the Grand River Dam Authority Dams, or you have other federal projects, but they're not core projects, um, Bureau of Reclamation projects. However, because they're such large reservoirs, um, Congress at some point in the past delegated flood control authority of those reservoirs to the Army Corps because you have all of these reservoirs in, in line in, in these river systems, and so they're operated as a system. All right, so it, I mean, the original thought, Dan, was if it was built by man, it was a core lake. If it wasn't, it's not. That's not necessarily the case. No, it is not. Hmm. Uh, and and if I just so I understand, you don't really – assert your authority over those non-core lakes unless you're in a flood situation is that correct that's correct when you have a when you have a flood and and you have um, water that is going into the flood pools of those reservoirs um, the army corps has has authority given again from congress to do so because you're operating all of the reservoirs as a system how how good or what the condition of the other dams like Pensacola and, and the other dams in Oklahoma? Are they in as good a shape at least as Keystone? All of the dams in the region, all of the the, uh, the uh, dams uh, in the uh, Tulsa District Army Corps of Engineers are in good shape. Uh, as you've seen during this flood, they have all performed exactly as they're designed to do yeah. and continue to do so. It would be nice to have some automatic uh, ways to open the gates, though, as opposed to <laughs> doing each one manually one at a time, right? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about the specifics of that, except I, I will say that it probably is a good idea. Um, the way that it's operated now, it is a, a, a good side benefit is to have people up there with eyes right. on the structure and on the gates yeah. as they make those changes. As it's happening. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, minutes. all day. Now back to the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour on News 1023 KRMG. 851, the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. And uh, Senator James Langford in the studio with us in the 7 o'clock hour. He's been out. Uh, the entire week touring not only uh, flood damaged areas and, and flooded areas, but the El Reno tornado damage and, and the tornado damage around here. Um, and so have Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen and Kevin Hearn. They have. And, and, you know, those are the districts that were most affected. Hearn here in Tulsa, Washington County and Wagner County. There's a lot of Sand Springs, Tulsa, Bixby, of course, in that. So the first thing I wanted to ask him was, we've heard so much about the levees. They're just big, you know, dirt berms. So when you start talking about redoing those, which there's been a lot of that, do you go back to that? 
Well, it's still a way. A way. Probably, if you look at probably the A level of fixing it permanently is to go build a, a very strong concrete wall that's, you know, it's going to vary in thickness based on where if it's in a bend of a river or just static pressure. Build it high enough that you never, you know, you can add to it very quickly. But uh, make sure we get this done and get it done permanently so we don't have to deal with this again. There'll be some private insurance. There'll be some state funds. There'll be disaster funds. There'll be FEMA funds. Can you walk us through how that works? There's all this terminology that that triggers different kinds of assistance and becoming an emergency, which allows emergency responders to go in and help. It, it activates the sheriff's department. It activates the National Guard. Now we're into the level of them declaring a disaster based on aerial footage, which will trigger another level of assistance. It allows FEMA to get involved and, and do uh, you know reimbursements. New in office, I'm learning by drinking from a fire hose. But we've not seen a disaster like this in our lifetime. We hear an awful lot about the disaster aid bills that have been held up here and there, but that's not necessary to help Oklahoma initially because of FEMA. Can you explain that, Mark? There are actually uh, dollars that are set aside for 2019 also. There's about $3.2 billion set aside for the Corps to go do their work and about $600 million for FEMA to fund events that have happened so far this year. So it's a supplemental spending, $19 billion, so we'll have to look and see how much that's going to be used and if we need to create, uh, do another bill. Things aren't much better for the 2nd District. That's, of course, Mark Wayne Mullen. That's a huge area all the way from Kansas to Texas and stretches from Arkansas as far back as Medill. Congressman stopped by to tell us if you're in one of those flooded areas, there are a few things you need to do. It's important for everybody to start keeping the receipts in these municipalities because when FEMA comes in, they start doing it off dollars for the national response comes in, it's all based on the collection of how much the catastrophic event has caused. So we've been talking to all of our mayors saying, any dime you spend on this, I don't care if it's gas or it's buying bottled water, or if it's a huge equipment purchase that you have to have, we need to know about it because it's, it's a collection of all the cost depend on how much aid we'll be able to get from the federal government. Best message to all those folks who are out there being impacted by this? Listen, we're in Oklahoma, and this is Oklahoma standard. We may not be used to this kind of flooding, but we are used to major events, and we can get through it. Uh, we're not going to be hanging out um, like some other towns when they've got flooded and wait for people to come rescue us. We're going to see neighbors out there rescuing people. But don't think it's over just because the sun is shining and it feels pretty outside. If you think the waters are going to immediately go down, they're not. So you still use your head. And then if you've got neighbors, you've got friends, use the Oklahoma standard. Go out there and help them. FEMA is setting up offices in Oklahoma, but if you want to report damage now, you can do it at damage.ok.gov. Rick Corey, News 1023 KRMG. Thank you, Rick. David Williams with the Army Corps of Engineers with us. In just a few seconds left, we're looking at maybe starting Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday next week, five more days of rain after rain after rain. Does this, I mean, are you worried about maybe we're back in the same situation here in a couple of days? Every day that we can draw down the, the pool, not only at Keystone, but all the reservoirs, um, that gives us additional volume. And so every day that we can do that, that's great. As we get into next week, um, we'll just have to see what rain falls, where it falls, what's running off into the reservoirs, and we'll operate uh, as we always do. David, thank you for being here. And again, you've <laughs> done yeoman's work for us every single day this week. Every time we've called, you've been available to, to give folks an update on where things stood. We really appreciate it. Thank you. David Williams, hydrologist and uh, leader of the hydraulic section for the Army Corps of Engineers. At, uh, we're going to bring you some pizza next week. Is that okay? Great, thank you. Oh, we'll do that. 8.55. Aren't you going to ask his favorite kind? No. Just, <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring a lot of them. We don't care that much. <laughs> I'm sure his favorite will be in there somewhere. <laughs> 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.